You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Well, good morning, My Victory Church. Man, you guys look good. I see smiles. Like, this is amazing. So good. Welcome, everyone that's joining us online, wherever you are around the world. Special welcome to you. Give them a big hand. We are live. So good to see you. Hope. Pastor Phil's on YouTube, Tiffany's on there, Carson's on there. We've got, we've got a number of you watching online, wherever you are around the world. Special welcome to all of you, 23 different nations represented uh, where you're watching from. Tina, good to see you. Lance, good to see you guys. Robin, on the front row. Man, I was like, I, there, he, there he is. That's amazing. So good to see you. Well, welcome to an exciting summer. Nobody? Come on. The weather is good. It's, oh, things are opening up. It just, it's, it feels different, doesn't it? Did you, how many of you walked in here? Just to be honest, how many of you walked in here and felt like, man, something's missing. I forgot something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> me too. I was like, man, I'm forgetting something. Yeah, it's, it's all good. We, we've got an exciting, exciting couple of months. I can't even, you know, I say that word way too often, but I can't begin to describe how excited I am about the next couple of months we have for our church. This is, we are going to be launching, relaunching, kind of, we're going to be um, sharing a bunch of brand new stuff with you over the next number of months and cannot wait to get it all out there. We've been saving up for a year and a half, kind of all pent up energy for over a year and a half to release what we are, are going to be start releasing today and over the next couple of months. So get ready, get ready, get ready. This series is called Songs of Summer. And over the last year and a half, we've been uh, writing music as uh, our team has been writing music, original music. And we're going to begin uh, releasing all of the stuff that we've been working on and writing and producing. And we've got, we've got a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to be releasing. We'll be releasing a brand new song right after this message today. And uh, you'll be excited about that. And then we've got, uh, right after we release that song, uh, we're going we're gonna to have... We've got music videos prepared for each one of these songs that you can go on YouTube and if you like the song, you can go back and watch it and see what we, each song, we're going to be releasing every single week a brand new music video with that song so that you can have that song on regular play. And then on October 1st, we've got a party planned, that's a Friday, we've got a party planned and on that day, we're going to be uh, relaunching as a church under a brand new name and a brand new rebrand and all of that and releasing a full EP. Yeah. So if you like what you're going to be hearing in this series, um, then you're going to want to share that and, and make sure you do that. It's going to be exciting, exciting stuff. How many of you, this is, we're going to start today. How many of you have ever found it difficult to hear God's voice? Pretty much all of us, right? All of you online find, find it difficult to hear God's voice. I mean, if you are just brand new to Christianity, to the faith, maybe you've heard other Christians say something like, like, you know, God spoke to me or I heard God say. And you're thinking, 
how? How did you hear, how do you hear God's voice? Is it an audible voice? Is it like, is it, what is it? How do you know it's God speaking to you? And these are great questions. And many of you, you've been Christians like me for most of your life. And there's times where unmistakably it's God's, you know, God directing and God hearing. And I need to say first off, right off the top, I've never audibly heard God's voice. And honestly, I don't know that I want to. I think that would scare me so bad. I'd probably check myself into something, but um, I don't know. You know, if he, if he wants to do that, he can do that, but I, it'd, it'd be terrifying. But there's, there's times, how many of you have been Christians for a while, and, and you've, you've, there's been times where God undoubtedly spoke to you. You knew it was God. And it doesn't matter. Somebody asks you and saying, how did you know that was God? And you just, I don't know, you just like, I don't, how do you describe it? You just... No. But then there's other times, come on, let's be real. There's other times where you really want to hear from God and he's silent. Anybody else find that really irritating? I do. And it's, this is what I've noticed. It's really irritating to me that it's in the trials or in the biggest trouble that you desperately need to hear God's voice where he seems the most silent. That's been some of the biggest frustration, and, and this, this helped me. Somebody said this to me uh, a long time ago, and they said, um, the teacher is always silent during the test. So if God is silent and you're going through a test, there's something you need to learn. <laughs> Get through it. As quickly as possible. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep moving. <laughs> but what I want to talk about uh, this morning is I want to talk about being confident to hear God's voice and how to hear God's voice. And we're going to talk about this. And, and we're going to go through a story in the Old Testament where a prophet of, of God got kind of confused in hearing God's voice and, and, and kind of went through this process of missing God, which is comforting to me because a prophet in the Old Testament was supposed to be God's mouthpiece to the people. In other, God would set up a man um, or sometimes a, a woman over uh, the nation and saying, this is my prophet, this is my chosen one. And that person, would he would speak directly to them. Tim talked about Moses was kind of that. You know, there's lots of other prophets in, in you know, Samuel, you know, David's time. And there's lots of other prophets that were basically God would speak to them. And then they would go to the king or they would go to the nation and they would begin to, to, to speak what God had said. So if their entire job is to hear God and speak what God is saying, and if a prophet had trouble hearing God, I don't know, I find that a little bit comforting that even if a prophet missed God and misheard God sometimes, I find it comforting that maybe I'm not so bad. But at the same time, I'm thinking, <laughs> wait, if he's missing God, what chances do I have? Yet one thing that the prophet didn't have that we have today, he didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of him. We have that. So that means, for those of you unfamiliar, that that means that God's presence, when we believe in Jesus, he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's God's presence inside of us that he begins to speak to us 
on God's behalf. And praise intercedes in us to God. Kind of the communication secret code guideline. Now, the first song that we're going to release today is called Caves. And it comes out of uh, the story in 1 Kings 19. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. And, and it's a story of a prophet whose name was Elijah. And we're going to pick it up right in verse 1. Um, and we're going to go through this. The prophet Elijah, it says this in verse 1. Now Ahab told, told Jezebel. Ahab is the king of Israel at this time. Jezebel is uh, Ahab's wife. Uh, Jezebel was uh, a foreign. She was the daughter of a foreign king. And, and Ahab married her to kind of a peace alliance with the other king. And Jezebel, she had a reputation, still has a reputation. Anybody ever heard the saying, you know, that, you know, that's a Jezebel spirit or, you know, Jezebel? This is based off of this woman who she came in, and it's not like, I think Ahab gets a bad rap sometimes. Ahab is kind of, we, we picture him as this wimpy man. Ahab wasn't a wimpy man. In fact, Ahab, in the history of Israel, of kings, Ahab was the second largest second most successful conqueror in Israel history. And, and before you Bible scholars think that, well, behind David, actually David was number three. Ahab conquered more territory than David did. I mean, Ahab wasn't a wimp. He was a powerful king in his own right. But when he married Jezebel, Je Jezebel came in and began influencing Ahab and, and, had, and basically convinced Ahab, I think Ahab was trying to keep the peace at home, <laughs> um, <laughs> influenced Ahab to, to, then, to then bring in these foreign idols. In, in basically, it was Baal was the main idol and, and became basically the, the religion of Israel in that time based on Jezebel's influence. So now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah, that's the prophet, had done and that he had killed the prophets of Baal with the sword. Okay, so this is, for those of you who might not be familiar, 1 Kings 18 tells a remarkable story, one of the most miraculous stories in all of the Bible. It tells a story of, basically, it's the showdown at the OK Corral, not really, it's the showdown on Mount Carmel, where, where Elijah has had enough of this, this worship of Baal, and so he challenges, he sends a message, and he challenges Ahab to bring all the prophets of Baal, so 400 prophets of Baal come, and he says, we're going to meet on, on Mount Carmel, we're going to declare who is God for the nation of Israel, who is the God, and, and, and basically invite the entire nation, so all... Virtually all of the nation gathers for this showdown. 400 prophets of Baal and, and Elijah, just one guy. And he stands up and he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. Here's the rules. You build an altar, I'll build an altar. And who, you pray to your God and I'll pray to my God. And whoever's God answers with fire from heaven and consumes the altar, he is God. So the prophets are like, great. So the prophets of Baal start off and they start calling out to Baal. And, and no response. And they start dancing to Baal and no response. And they start, they start shouting and, and they even start cutting themselves and all, all weird kind of stuff. And Elijah, I love this, my favorite part. Elijah taunts them and says, maybe he's sleeping. You should shout a little bit louder. Maybe he's not impressed. You should dance a little bit higher. And they took it and they actually did all this. 
right? And, and, and making themselves look, and he, Elijah just sits back and laughs. Now, when it comes to Elijah's turn, he's like, he's like okay, this is too easy. Um, so let's dump 12 big barrels of water on top of this. They had to build a moat around the, the altar. They dumped 12 big you know, barrels of water on top of the altar. And then Elijah, this is all he does. He just goes, Father, bam, fire comes down from heaven, consumes the altar. And it's, it's like the entire nation is like, and, and everyone repents. And right there, there's a revival that happens. And Elijah goes on to capture, ask all the people, arrest the, the 400 prophets of Baal, and Elijah kills the 400 prophets of Baal. This is what Ahab came back and told Jezebel. Probably a little nervously. Look at her response. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods who don't answer, I mean, think about that, Deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make you like one of them, talking about the other prophets of Baal. Which, I mean, Elijah's just seen God answer and fire came down from heaven. He's just seen revival and he's thinking, finally, the nation's on track. I'm, I'm you know, obviously the prophet, you know, everyone's going to follow me. We can cause revival. This is all the rest of it. And you think Elijah would be like, pshh. But look what happens. It says this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now this, this verse always confused me because I was like, how could someone who just had, just said God and fire came down from heaven, how could somebody have this kind of miraculous, I mean, you'd think you'd be walking around strutting, not all, I mean, listen, I didn't even get to the, the end of the story. There was famine in the land, and Elijah prayed for rain, and, and, and a cloud came and started raining. And not only that, when the rain came, Elijah, an old man by this time, outran the king and his chariot. Old man outrunning a team of horses and a chariot. What do you have to be afraid of? Right? I mean, come on. Really? You're afraid, Elijah, and you run away? You're afraid because a woman says, may the gods deal with me? What? I'd be like, you were taunting them just moments before. Why not taunt back? Just like, we're gods, they're still sleeping. Yet he's afraid and runs for his life. And while we've, you know, I can, it's easy to criticize Elijah and all of this kind of stuff. Have you ever noticed this? I've noticed this. That it's at the end of your greatest triumph and your greatest victories that you are more susceptible to discouragement. Anybody ever notice that? It's right after. Sometimes, because in the midst of the battle, you're on guard, you're ready to go, but after a battle, we're human beings, we're tired, we're exhausted. Even, even if it's just praying and, and God doing this, there's something spiritually exhausting that happens in us and we're more susceptible to discouragement and to, all these, to fear, to all these things right after battle. And Elijah, after all, is a human being and for some reason was susceptible to fear and discouragement. It, it continues on, it says this, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. This is, this is, 
This is a lesson, uh, this whole story is a lesson on how to handle discouragement. And I, I don't know, we just came through a battle for a year and a half. And we're, we're tired. Any, anybody else? Yeah, we feel an ounce of freedom and all the rest of it. And we want to celebrate. And it's great to be back together with our families. And it's great to hug. And isn't it? I mean, it's so good. I mean, all that's good. But honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we've just been through a battle. And we're tired. And susceptible to discouragement. And so there's lessons in here from Elijah on how to kind of prepare yourself. And one of those lessons is a, a mistake Elijah made right here is he left his servant. Because the temptation is when you're discouraged or afraid, the temptation is to isolate yourself. To become more introverted, more withdrawn. Elijah did this and it only makes matters Worse. The truth is, we need one another. We need one another. This is not the time to withdraw. This is the time to press in. With one another. Connect with one another. It's not the time to pull back from church. It's the time to press in. Now, next verse. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a... a, a a tree, a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He says, and then he says this, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Now, how many of you have ever said, I've had enough? This week? <laughs> this morning? <laughs> We, we, we say this, don't we? I've had enough. I can't take anymore. And yet, really, we are way more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. And be careful that you don't fence yourself in with your own limited thinking. That's why we need one another, because, I don't know, I've, I've noticed this when I'm at the... I, I work out a whole lot harder with a coach or with a partner who's going to push me further than I think, because I, I feel like I don't have anything more left in me. I'm, I'm tired, I'm spent, I can't lift anymore, I can't do anymore. And then, and then when you have somebody else saying, no, you, you know, one more, you got one more in you, and it's amazing how much more you can push out and how much more resilient you are than you think you are. God knew Elijah had more in him. But Elijah says, I've had enough. And he says, just take my life. It's over. And then he says, I'm no better than my ancestors. Which, what? Which is another lesson in discouragement. Because another fuel of discouragement and fear is comparison. It's a fuel for discouragement. You begin to compare yourself. And Elijah here is now comparing himself to his ancestors? Who, who asked him to compare himself to his ancestors? I'm no better than my ancestors. Why are you comparing? And yet today, we have this device, don't we, that we can, it's easy to pick up and think that we're doing great, and then we watch somebody else's feed and going, man, Tim and Jen, look at that, how amazing they're doing. <laughs> Pastor Ralph, he's a really... Right, so easy to compare ourselves and think we're, you know, and, and yet that comparison leads to even further discouragement. 
Then it says this. Then he laid down under the tree and, and, and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there was at his, by his head uh, a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. It's a, depression and anxiety and, and stress affects our physical health too. We lose sleep or we oversleep. We stop eating or we overeat. It affects us physically. And what's, what's interesting for me to note in this story is that God was, was concerned about Elijah's physical strength and his physical health as much as he was about his emotional health at this time because one leads to another. And so the angel, God's concern, says, you got to eat, Elijah, eat. Because this is going to affect uh, his mood as, as well. It goes on, it says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. Again, he's like, he's concerned. For the journey is too much for you. And Elijah's like, I told you that. He's like, no, no, wait, you got to get strengthened. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. It's interesting that he meant that he, that he, he reached the mountain of God. It's, why that's interesting, it says the mountain of God, is he traveled to where he thought God was, not realizing that God was with him the entire time. Don't we do that? We go looking for God somewhere or through someone, not realizing that he's been with us the entire time, that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. We think that we can find God because he obviously isn't here if I'm feeling this way. The entire time God's been speaking to the prophet. We, we, we confuse God with a feeling and waste so much time chasing emotions, thinking that we're going to find God and feel better. And this thinking also... It, it, it shows that we assume that kind of God toys with us and plays this really mean game of hide and seek and that God's difficult to find. The truth is, God's not playing hide and seek. He's not difficult to find. He, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. I don't think this is interesting because Elijah goes looking, travels 40 days, 40 nights to get to, that's a long trip, to get to where he thinks God is and kind of God's response is, well, that was unnecessary. Because look at look at look at what God says next in the next verse. There he went into a cave um, and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" Now listen, God doesn't ask questions because He needs an answer. God asks us questions because we need the answer. He was trying to get Elijah to get a revelation on the true reality of his situation. And he's asking, why are you, why are you running? God was obviously on his side. So Elijah replies. He replied, he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Isn't that how we always start? When we want to hear something from God, is we, we, we start listing off how good we've been. Anybody else? 
Why we expect God to deliver us? Because God, I've been to ch- I went to church. God, I read my Bible. God, I was so nice to that person. God, I was generous over here. God, I did this. And we start listing off all the things as to why we deserve as if we're going to impress the perfect God with our deeds. But Elijah starts, he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. See, and then he starts comparing again. He says, I've been better than them. I deserve an answer more than they do. You delivered them. God, why don't you deliver me? I tore down your altars. I put the prophets of Baal to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. God's going, do we need to replay what just happened? By the way, God says this multiple times. He's like, you're not the only one. There's 700 more just like you. Like God's not impressed. I'm the only one. No. (laughs) You think God would just be like roll his eyes and be like, come on. But look at how God responds. God's so much more gracious than we are, than I am anyway. I would have really, like, come on, Elijah. Stop acting like a baby. Get, like. No, this is what, this is what God, this is how God replies. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. Elijah's complaining, doing all these foolish things, and God goes, as if the fire from heaven wasn't enough. As if you praying for rain and getting the answer wasn't enough. As if. You having the strength to outrun a horse and chariots. Oh, by the way, I'm going to, and then you're still sitting here whining, complaining. I'm going to show you my presence. I mean, God's so gracious. I'm going to show you my presence. I'm going to pass by so you can see me. I mean, Elijah needs a rescue, and God's about to flex his muscle. So he had just sent fire from heaven to consume an altar. So Elijah's probably going, whoa, okay, what's he going to do now? So he stands out, he stands out there, and look what happens. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. I mean, this looked like God's power on display, but it wasn't God. I wonder how many times we mistake God because we're looking for him to show up one way. Or the way that we want him to. The way that we expect him to. How many times have we claimed when something just, that was God. But God was not in the wind. And after the wind, it says there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. Looking for God. though. This, you know, how many times I've heard Christians say, you know, COVID, this is the end of the end. This is God. Listen, God's not in. If everything that could be shaken is going to be shaken. God wasn't in the shaking. Because we're looking for God, and we think God is we think God is God by His hand and by by something that is powerful. And Elijah is expecting the same thing, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. Elijah had seen the fire of God before. 
but the Lord was not in the fire. Three times Elijah makes a mistake in discerning God. And then, after the fire, came a gentle whisper. A whisper. A whisper. How could a whisper rescue him from Jezebel? What a, it's an odd story. And what can you and I learn from this? I think as I was meditating on, on this passage and I thought I was thinking on a whisper, I began to realize that when someone whispers, what's your natural reaction? Your natural reaction is to lean in. Isn't it? Do you pull away? No, you, you lean in. You press in. And what God's saying to Elijah, he says, you're looking for my hand. I want to show you my presence. I want, I want relationship with you. Relationship. When you have a relationship with me, Elijah, you wouldn't be running to the cave and hiding away. Because you and I would be like this. You, you wouldn't allow a little circumstance like that to shake you up. Elijah, what you need is to lean in. You need relationship with me. So God shows up in a whisper. And what did Elijah do? When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Elijah went out. He pursued God. He drew closer to God with his own steps. The fact is, God hadn't moved. He went to the mountain of the Lord looking for God. God hadn't moved. Elijah did. How many of you, like me, have said, where's God? Why is he not speaking where did he go? Why is he not showing up? Why is he not answering prayer? Thinking that God moved. But God doesn't move. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. God hadn't moved. Elijah did. And if you're not willing to step out, you're not ready for your next step. God doesn't leave us or forsake us even when we run away. We can miss God's meaningful whispers by only looking for God's powerful moments. Here's today's takeaway. Hearing requires us to be present, whereas listening requires us to lean in. So when God seems far away, and difficult to hear, it's not him that's moved. It's us that needs to draw closer to him. And I don't know what your last year and a half looked like or the season that you're in looks like or all the rest of it, but if you're in a time right now where God seems distant and far away and he's not speaking when you want him to speak, listen, this is a season that we need to lean in. Not looking for God's, just, just for God's deliverance, but looking for God and relationship with him. This is the time to press in to listen for that still, small 
voice. Let's pray. God, we need you. We thank you for this reminder that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, I, I pray that you'd help us to press in a little further, a little deeper. And this season, God, we're leaning in. We're pressing in. We want to hear your voice, your goodness, your greatness. We want to hear your voice. We want to be able to be confident that we are in relationship with you. We're here pursuing you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us, for speaking clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to lean in a little bit more, sing a brand new song for you. You can feel free to participate however you feel comfortable in doing that. And here's the first installation of brand new music from, from My Victory Music. It's a song called Caves.
Paul says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to run through a prayer with you right now that does just that. So uh, repeat after me here. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God and I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, my Savior, my friend. Thank you that my past is past, that I can begin new with you right now. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations. We'd love to connect with you. There will be a link uh, posted in the chats there uh, that you can click on, uh, fill out that form, and we will connect with you uh, during the week. I actually personally will connect with you. So we'd love to uh, send you a Bible as well. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv.